Put it in there. A wise uh, thing was said by Winston Churchill, a cigar smoking, semi alcoholic, um, wise leader that he was. But he said, if you're going through hell, keep going. Um, just on the back of what Helen read out about the Lord is my shepherd. When you're going through the valley of the shadow of death, keep going. Don't linger longer than you need to. Um, so if you're going through hell, keep going. I don't know if you, I just feel I'm reminded of that as we were worshipping. Different circumstances, different situations can be a hell <laughs> right here, right now in your life. Just keep going. You're never alone. God is faithful. He doesn't forget, doesn't fall asleep, doesn't take a vacation, but he is faithful and he walks with us all of the time. This morning uh, is part two of the gospel of the kingdom uh, of God that, that Paul covered everything you could possibly talk about about that last week. So uh, I'm left with some scraps um, to talk on. But I want us to look a little bit at the process of restoration. Uh, and also Paul talked a bit about uh, the healing of a rupture instead of looking forward to a rapture. Uh, so I want to touch on that a little bit. And also to do some training. So I hope you brought your lycra uh, with you. Uh, we're going to do some, some training, not physical training. We're going to do some stuff a couple of weeks. Oh, last weekend, some guys came to do the first of three sessions uh, on following and fishing. So I'm just going to start off uh, a little bit of what they did. And then through the leadership hubs and through life groups and clusters, we're going to continue some of that training as well. So we're all... Uh, equipped and trained to share the good news of God with the people around us, our friends. Could you just turn to Ephesians 2.10, uh, 2.8, please. Ephesians 2, uh, I'm going to read from 8 to 10. Just while you're turning there, I don't know if you've ever been on a trampoline, uh, but it, I, I, after bouncing around on the trampoline, I don't know if you've ever faced, you get off and then you try and walk and your legs are a little bit like this afterwards. Um, after a bit of a busy week, after doing lots of stuff, I know what it can be like when we gather together on a Sunday. And you can feel like the week's been a bit like, whoa, up and down and shaking you around. And then you come and we worship and there's still a lot of stuff going on inside of us sometimes that can make us feel a bit like, oh, wow, God, I'm here. I'm trying to sing. And I'm trying to engage with you, but I'm a little bit like this still. Um, so I just, want to, I just want to pray. Lord, in all of the busyness, in all of the stuff that's going on in our lives, the good stuff and the stuff that is challenging that we would rather sometimes not be happening in our lives, I just ask for a strength and a stability and your stillness right now. Lord, I thank you that your peace is beyond knowing through intellectual ability. We can't grasp hold of it. We can't work ourselves into it, but it comes from you. And I ask for that peace right now to guard each heart and mind 
where there is challenge, where there is pressure. I just speak peace into this storm right now. Lord, we would just want to receive your peace. God, I just ask right now, where there is striving, just pray an end to that striving right now. Thank you, Lord. Amen. I would spend probably all my time just reading Ephesians, uh, but there's, there's plenty of other books to be going in uh, as well. So let's just look at Ephesians 2, verse 8 to 10. God saved you. This is a New Living Translation. God saved you by his special favor when you believed. And you can't take this, you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things that we've done, so no one can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the things he planned for us long ago. Just turn to somebody and say, you are the pinnacle of creation. You are God's masterpiece. Or masterpiece, wherever you're from. You're a good, good piece of artwork that God has created. But it's, it's not our doing. Okay? God has taken hold of us. We could never... Make ourselves like God. Salvation comes from Him and Him alone. It's not about us. It's not about our goodness. But it's easy once we're saved to live like it's our good living that keeps us saved. He's done all the hard work. And we need to live in the good of that. His his grace is lavished on us. Ridiculous amounts. That's lavish. Over the top. Can't hold back type of stuff. That's the grace of God. He lavishes grace on us. Because he loves us so much. You are, each one of us. We are God's masterpieces. And he's takes great delight and pleasure in every single one of us. Some of us need to appreciate just where we are right now in God and the work that he's done, what he's achieved in our lives. And sometimes it's easy for people to still continue to strive in God. And this morning, that's what I believe, that some of the peace of God that he wants to to deposit in us is to end any striving of trying to be what only God can do and create in us. God is the ultimate upcycler. I was going to put some funny pictures of stuff. I don't know if you've seen on Pinterest or if you've ever Googled upcycling. Some of the funny things that people use to upcycle. Because of time, I've not done little PowerPoint uh, slides showing lots of funny upcycling uh, efforts by people. But maybe go home and, and uh, Google those afterwards or look on Pinterest. But this is it. He takes people that have fallen, people that are, are not close to him, and he upcycles us. 
He makes his masterpieces. He takes what was and what was in his hands useless and makes something beautiful. Makes something incredible. Every single one of us, however we view ourselves, God has already stepped back and gone, oh, I've done a good job. That's what I want us to grasp this morning. Each one of us, he takes a step back, smiles, and he's pleased. When I was a teacher, uh, I had a short-term contract to put Woodbrook Vale for a period of time. And one of the things that the kids did, um, they had these personal diaries. And they would write very, very personal things in those diaries to the teacher that I would then read through and, and comment on those things and then send them back. And I was amazed just some of the things that the students would write in there. Um, things that they would never say to me face to face. But because there was, a, there was a distance, it created a sense of safety. Um, distance can also go the other way. Uh, and you look on Facebook and you think people feel uh, sometimes very safe to write anything down or take pictures of themselves doing all sorts of stuff and just lob it out there so the whole world can see. Um, so it's not always healthy to have this type of distance. It can, distance can create a carelessness uh, or a lack of responsibility. It can dull our senses to what's going on around us uh, when we feel distant from somebody or something. I don't know if you've ever noticed, but um, you know when, when a particular crime happens in a town, so if, if, when something happens here in Loughborough that's really shocking, it, it, it rocks your world. You say, oh my word, in my town? But when you see the news and it's happened somewhere else in the country, it doesn't quite have the same effect. Is that just me or is... When we feel, right now, I don't know if, like me, I don't think every day about the stuff that the Kurdish people are going through. I don't know if I'm the only person here. But if you had a relative, or you knew somebody living out there, and was part of the Kurdish, you would feel very different. You would be praying in a very different type of way. That distance can create a numbness. Like some sort of anesthetic that you just, you're aware of it, but it doesn't really grab you inside enough to do something about it. It's human nature. There's only so much we can contain. We only have so much of a capacity to deal with certain things, to think about things, to actually engage with certain things. Again and again and again, through the Bible, there's so many instances of a connection between us and God and the land and the whole of creation. Um, but when, when sin and death came into the world, it started off a process of distance, separated us from, from God, and started to change the way that we related to our planet. This is not going to be a tree-hugging type of little sermon here, by the way. Um, but I am bringing us to a place of sense of responsibility. Most of us are fairly separated from the land right now. We, we need the produce of the land, but I don't know many here that are actually working on the land day in and day out. We've got soil under our fingernails because we've been digging up stuff. You might have an allotment, but it's, 
we separated a little bit from it. Uh, and with all of technology, with all the types of jobs that we have these days, there's a distance that causes us to sometimes not be quite as mindful about this sense of responsibility that comes along. And this is the connection of the, it's the kingdom of God. It isn't just about us alone. It's us in the context of society and the whole of creation as well. Just turn to Matthew 5 if you can, please. We've been looking at the king and his kingdom. And this is the ultimate kingdom type of mandate. If you, if you don't want to read anything else in the Bible, just read Matthew 5 again and again and again. From verse 3 it says, God blesses those who realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is given to them. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God blesses those who are gentle and lowly, for the whole earth will belong to them. God blesses those who are hungry and thirsty for justice, for they will receive it in full. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. God blesses those who are persecuted because they live for God, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. There's a lot of blessing there. This, that was, that's an insight from an insider from the Trinity coming to our time-space world to give us an insight into what God is like, the things that God is passionate about, and how to live in line with God. Blessed. Not the cheesemakers, not those from Mel and Mowbray who make Stilton. But I bless those people. <laughs> but blessed are the peacemakers. Those that are proactive in bringing peace. It's a shalom. It's holistic. It's wholeness. That's come across again and again in the different words this morning. God wants wholeness. Not just peace, which is my mind's still right now. I'm not some sort of meditative emptiness. But even in the midst of storm, even in the midst of pain, even when everything has just hit the fan and it's gone all around the room, there's a wholeness in every part of our life. God wants us to receive that and then bring that. That's phenomenal. The, the king of all the universe has given us that mandate, has given us the ability to bring <coughs> peace. That's why creation is calling out for the sons of God to be revealed, because he wants us to be constantly bringing peace, bringing wholeness into every circumstance and situation in life. And he blesses that. And he, that's when we're revealed as his children. It's the family business. Peace is the family business. God is peace. Nothing disturbs him. He's strong and stable. And there's a peace for us to enter into that is just so transforming 
The world's longing for that type of peace, that holistic peace, that wholeness. Giving us a ministry of reconciliation, of bringing things that are opposed to each other together to bring peace. There might be a family member. There might be a friend. There might be a husband or a wife, a child. Right now, that in your heart, you know there's a lack of peace between the two of you. And something needs to get sorted. So I'm asking you, maybe even now, text and say sorry. It might be that you want to save that till after. I would prefer that. But I'm asking to put, that you put that right, to bring peace, to make amends, to, recon, to be reconciled. It might mean that there's a whole bunch of forgiveness that needs to take place. Some sorries need to be said. And some acceptance of those sorries as well. It's challenging stuff. It's supernatural stuff. It can only come from God, this peace. One of the things that happened because of uh, sin and death was a breakdown of relationship, yes, between us and God, but between people. Murder started happening quite early on in the Bible. Two brothers sort of whacking each other around the head with a rock. Poof. It's never a great idea to do that. But even the whole of creation as well. And now we're at a stage um, where for, for thousands of years we've been abusing the very planet that God's called us to steward and to love so that it would produce for us. Again and again, the blessings that come all through the Bible are about how God's provision will come. And it's nearly always because of the land and because of all that that yields back to us. But we found new scientific ways of, of, of accelerating all of that so we become the providers ourselves. And it, it messes up uh, creation. One of the things that a lot of us can be, can be guilty of um, is... And I don't mean the Sabbath as in a particular day, but the principle of rest. God has put that there so that we can be in peace, so that we can rest. And it's a six-to-one ratio of work to rest. Some people need to maybe flip it around <laughs> because it's a ratio of six days of doing nothing and one day of maybe doing a little bit of something. But it's a six-to-one ratio that God has, has given us but because, again, because of technology often, and I'm not against it, but we, we can create a busyness where we don't step away, we don't stop, we don't enter into a time where we rest. I'm just asking us to be sensible with that. To look at your own scheduling, look at your own lifestyle, the stuff that you do. Do you enter rest? Harder for some than others. That's why we've got to be accountable to each other. Rest is good. It's God-given. Work is good, and it's God-given. But I'm just throwing it out there that I'd love you to consider again, what is my balance? Do I stop myself and my family by not being at peace because I don't enter into this rhythm that God has created for us? 
God is really passionate about his planning. It's his planning. It's not ours, given to us as a gift from God to look after and to steward so that we can be proactive with people and the whole planet to bring peace. The kingdom of God is not just about people. It's the whole of creation. I would love it that maybe either the clusters that we're developing now or clusters to be birthed in the future, part of the out focus, you know, we've talked about up, in, and out, that some of the out stuff, the, the missional stuff, the elements of when we cluster together, that they might start to seek God for issues such as poverty, about broken families, environmental exploitation or ethnic, religious or gender-driven hate crimes. It might be about oppression of women and children or people and even sex trafficking because all of that stuff is going on in Loughborough and Charmwood. How amazing would it be that the church, the kingdom of God, those people that live with the king, the shalom bringers, would step into every part of society to tackle those issues, to see the kingdom of God brought into those areas. It's not about evangelism, but of being a, a demonstrable expression of the king and all that he is passionate about. To confront everything that stands against him. This is how the kingdom of God violently gets pushed forward, advances through huge supernatural moves of love and of grace and this shalom of God. That's the type of violence that the Bible's talking about. But I wonder if our distance sometimes creates this numbness in us all. Years ago I went to India and we were there for about five and a half weeks. We got engaged there. And at first, I was just, I couldn't cope with the amount of people on the street uh, that were begging. And I just, emotionally, I was just not sleeping at nights. But by the end of five and a half weeks, you know what, I got very used to it. Just walked past people and it didn't bother me at all. Just five and a half weeks time. Yeah, it bothered me some. But initially, I was trying to stop and talk to every single person, give them a little bit of money or some food. Or, and the people I was with were like, you're not going to solve anything by doing this. It's like the pictures on the walls at home. Stuff just becomes, very quickly becomes background. You walk past it once, you'd stop and stare at it and give it your full attention. And over time, it just becomes a blur. Your peripheral vision maybe picks it up. But there's stuff all around us, all of the time, that I wonder if we, maybe when we're Sabbathing more, we'll stop enough to notice and to catch the passion of God about some issues, about some people around us. Not what they say when you say, how are you? And they say, yes. But you know, deeper than that, there's something going on that you could speak into. Maybe release some of the shalom of God into their life, the peace, the wholeness. In this room right now, there's a whole bunch of passion. 
the stuff that motivates you, the things either in films that make you cry or when you hear stories or you see on Facebook or whatever it is, when you see those things or hear those things, it stirs something in you. There's a desire for those things. There's a passion for those things. There's a heart. Christian jargon, we say we've got a heart for something. Flip side of that coin comes responsibility. If we feel something, we're responsible for that thing. Gareth, a few weeks ago when he was speaking, talked about the kingdom of God. You could replace the word kingdom and put responsibility there. Uncomfortable word. Because it means you've got to do something. Now, I know in many ways I'm talking to the converted. People are already doing something. So I'm not trying to say, guys, that's all rubbish. Let's sweep all that to one side and we've got to do something new. Sometimes I think we just need to stop to look again at the things that we look at on a regular basis. Say, God, I want to feel your heartbeat in a new way for these things. If I become numbed to these things around me, to these people's lives around me, just help me to see again help me to feel again in the way that you see and feel and allow that sense of passion that desire that heart for something to also carry that sense of responsibility towards relationship is often the gateway for reconciliation when we're in relationship with somebody, it can start off, it's certainly triggered off for each one of us when we come to know Jesus, a change and a transformation, which is part of the whole restoration of, the, of creation itself. So Paul said last week that um, sometimes when we talk about the gospel, we, we draw it back down into all of the time, just into this praying a prayer, salvation type of thing. Uh, and that is, that is part of the whole process of restoration, of individual lives being transformed. That's why I want to do some of the training because it isn't everything. It isn't, the gospel isn't just a salvation gospel. I mean, like Paul really well said last week, that when we talk about salvation, it's not just get me out of here so I can go somewhere else that we've called heaven but that we can bring heaven to earth. But it starts with a changed heart, with a transformation in bringing heaven to earth. So we want to do, I want to do a little bit of training for us on the back of this fishing, uh, following and fishing stuff. Um, so you'll need a pen and paper. There's paper here and some pens. If I could have some helpers, maybe from the uh, welcome team, hospitality team, to give us a hand. Because... Part of bringing shalom, I know in my life, allowing God into my life has absolutely brought a peace when there was anxiety. I would have been one of those people, I, I used to feel that knot in my stomach a lot of the time. But Jesus has dealt with that knotted feeling and brought a peace into my life.
just while pens and papers are coming round, I would love it in your life group, or DNA, just hanging out with somebody, whatever, maybe to pray the dangerous prayer. What is it that you're passionate about, God, that you want me to be involved with? could be the, the stuff you're already doing is the answer. But it might give you a fresh revelation about that. Um, just reach into your pocket. If you've got your pocket, um, if you've got a coin, do you just want to get that coin out? If you've not got a coin, I've got some extra little diddly ones here. Some from Zambia, some from here. <laughs> In fact, can you just, if anyone needs, put your hand up if you've not got a coin, maybe nick one from the person next to you, or just stick your hand up. Pete's got my little coins. Okay. Matthew, I mean, sorry, Mark 1. In Mark 1, verse 17, uh, again, New Living says this, Jesus called out to them, Come, be my disciples, and I will show you how to fish for people. Two sides of the coin. Come and follow Jesus. The head of the coin is symbolic of the rule of Jesus. Turn the coin round on the tail side of it. The coin that Jesus is offering the disciples Come, be with me, be a follower. And I'll make you a hmm? fisher of other people. If I was to scrub out one of those sides of the coin, firstly, I'd probably get arrested, because it's legal. Um, but I'm devaluing what is on offer. And what Jesus offers us isn't one side or the other of the coin. The officers both sides, come, be a follower of mine, and I'll make you a fisher of other people. Statistics say about 96% of people, Christians, have either never or very, very rarely shared the gospel with somebody else, told them the good news of Jesus. So we take the coin, stare at the king's side of it, stare at the, I'll, I'll come and follow you Jesus side of it, but don't really accept the, the flip side of the coin, which is to be fishers. He's called us to come close so that we can be fishers. My desire is that we would not be in that 96% of people. <laughs> We'd be that 3%, uh, 4% of people. 3% and the other ones, I don't know what the others. No. 
the 4% of people that are regularly sharing the life of God, that we accept both sides of the coin. We don't just take his kingship and go, oh, that's really cool. I'm following you, Jesus. I'm following you, Jesus. But they will do the flip side of it. Okay? Um, today, I'm just going to look at a, a people map. That's what the, that's what the uh, pen and paper is for. Uh, I want you to map out your world, the people that we can talk to, that you can talk to at some stage. So we've been looking at, this is, this is why, the coin. Why do we share the good news of Jesus? Because it's a command from him to do it. He's called us to him, not for our sake only, but for the sake and the benefit of people around us. Um, so I'm going to, not everybody's going to be able to see this. So in fact, everybody in this block, could you just move on to this side, please? I know it's a massive move. In fact, you could probably go into this central block as well. So on your paper, what I'd love to do, I'm going to do my little map. This bit's going to have to get cut out because uh, I'm going to mention names of people. So starting with family members, I'm going to put my name in the middle. Rue. Okay, that's Rue. At the centre of it all. No. In the middle of your paper, don't write Rue, by the way. Write your name. It's going to go very wrong very quickly. So starting with family members, who are your family members, if any, that don't know Jesus? I've got an auntie, Leslie. So this, this stuff today is going to get followed up in life groups and clusters in the next few weeks and months. Let me move it back. So in the center of the paper, your name. Okay, then... Who are your friends? Who are people that you are friends with that don't know Jesus yet? Then um, these could be colleagues, people that you work with that don't know Jesus. So maybe some of your neighbors as well, people that you live alongside. And then anybody else that you see on a regular basis. Could be that you go to the same shop uh, maybe the same aisle on the same shop. Somebody that you said hi to, that you talk to on a regular basis. In John 17, one of the things that Jesus prayed was that he was, he was grateful to God and he'd been faithful with the people that God had given him, but he was then prayed for those that will come after as well. So he expects generations of believers through it. So I don't know if any of these people you have that you've put on the list that there's somebody else that you might know as well through these people. So that's just an example. So if there's any, any of the people you've put down that you know their family members or their friends, you could put those in as well. Okay, from this... I want us to create a prayer list. If you don't already pray. So pick five. Let's have five a day. It's good for you. The doctors tell us to have five a day. So pick just five from this list. It's not saying you don't care about the other people. Maybe you could pray for them possibly next month or something. 
But these are the five I'm particularly praying for at the moment. Just put a star by their name. This is when we're not actually involved in their life on a daily basis or they're in our house or whatever. This is where the distance can be. And so we can sometimes not care as much because there's, there's some distance I was talking about and it can become the, the background blur of life. What I'd like you to do now from this prayer list, or from these people, is maybe write a little list. I'm not going to do it for the sake of time. Write a little list here of those people. And think, and write down on your piece of paper, where, where are you going to put that list? Could be in front of the mirror. Could be on your dashboard of the car. Could get it tattooed on your forearm. No. Where, where are you going to put that list? Where do you look? Vince might put it on his hairdryer or something. I don't know. Just somewhere... <laughs> I mean, I mean, painting brush. So think about where you want to put that list. So I've got mine on my monitor. Um, got my laptop, which I then plug into a monitor uh, on my desk. So I've got this little list of people on my monitor. And then think about when. When are you going to pray for these people? Is it first thing in the morning as soon as you wake up? Last thing at night? Is it going to be, if it's on the dashboard of the car, every time you get in the car? But probably five a day. So these five people. Somewhere obvious where you're going to see it, that you, and then when you're going to pray. Okay, lastly, what are you going to pray? How about praying for these three things? Open. That God would open their hearts. So we're going to ask God to open these people's hearts. So for already, for some of these, I've seen a change. The conversations are changing because God is opening their hearts. Then our mouth. God would give us the words and the opportunities to say something to these people. I read a proverb a day. The proverb says that a word spoken at the right moment is a gift of life. Let's pray that God enables us to open our mouth at the right time to say the right thing that would be like a gift of life to that person and then finally so God uh, so we're praying that God would open their hearts and mouths that he would open heaven that he would do something for them in them through us that only God can do could be the supernatural I was talking earlier on the supernatural peace of God the shalom of God comes from us to that person So from our people map, we're picking five different people. There are five a day, our prayer list. 
that are thinking about where we're going to put it, when we're going to pray for them, and then what are we going to be praying for? Oh, an open heart, open mouth, and an open heaven. Okay? Gone through that slowly. But what I'd love you to do now with the person next to you is, so Vince will say to Andy what I've just said. So lead Andy through that process. Okay? And then Andy will do it in return. So that's still, still there. But just do that because I want it to sink in. We've still got five minutes. So take a couple of minutes each to go through that process. Explain it like I've just explained it to you. Okay, just purely because of time, really. And we all need our coffees and teas at the end. And I've got a football match to take Ethan to. So maybe if you're with somebody that you know, you could go through this again. Uh, maybe you could look at this some more in life group or in your DNA. But I'd love us to get into the habit of doing this. But maybe this afternoon or tomorrow morning, you could actually put that prayer list up and start your five a day, preferably today, but maybe tomorrow as well, and start praying for those five people every single day. Because imagine in, in a month's time, two months' time, maybe three months, the testimonies that we'll have, just because their heightened awareness of us praying on a regular, consistent basis, where these people no longer are the blurs maybe in life, where there's a sense of distance, but that we look with a sense of responsibility and say, God, I want to bring your shalom to these, per these people, these people that I love, these people I want you to see working in their life, touching their life, healing their life, bringing wholeness into their lives as well. And then there's going to be some further training through DNA's life groups, like I said, and in clusters as well.